Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. six. Welcome back to the Washington Football Team Declassified Podcast. It is I, your boy Le, in the house. How's everybody doing out there, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right this week. Been, uh, it seems like it's been forever since we talked. It's weird because we did an episode last Monday. No, we did that episode. When did we do that episode? We dropped it on Monday. It was though. Sunday. Well, yeah, I think it was Sunday that we we did it, and then it dropped Monday. But it, it feels like it's been like a month. Yeah, so much has happened. A lot. The world has changed. You get out of like rotation, and your schedule is your schedule. And then when we record on a different night, things get weird. But um, yeah, so we put out some polls on Twitter. Eric, you want to lead us into this first one? Yeah, we did one um, a while back, and it was regarding what your favorite uniform color combination. Uh, and we just included the standard uniform, the the burgundy jersey white pants slash burgundy pants, white jersey, and, you know, the four different combinations of the two. So you had, uh, and of course, the, the poll said red because Twitter limits the amount of characters you can have in uh, responses. So you couldn't put burgundy jersey, white pants. We got some feedback on that. Well, bite me. Sorry. Um, had, had, to, had to work with what I had. Um, so we had, I believe the options were burgundy jersey, white pants, white pants, burgundy jersey, white pants, white jersey, and burgundy pants, burgundy jersey. So monochrome, white, monochrome, burgundy, and then the other two. So I'm going to start off. Uh, we had, what did we have? 339 votes. That was kind of a popular poll for us. Uh, the winner by a very slim margin was the white on white. It barely nudged out uh, white jersey, red pants, which of course is the classic Super Bowl uh, look that we all grew up with. Uh, people my age all grew up with the burgundy pants, white top. And uh, fun fact on that, I believe the, they started wearing that in the George Allen years, that combination, which generally the white jersey would be a road uh, jersey. But since the Dallas Cowboys considered their blue home jersey to be bad luck, and they always wore white at home, uh, a little bit of gamesmanship on George Allen's part was to force them to wear their unlucky blue jersey every time they came to D.C. And that's the reason they went with that. And Joe Gibbs kept it and won a bunch of Super Bowls. And we pretty much kept that all the way up until uh, I want to say uh, the Mike Shanahan years when they kind of when they kind of finally flipped it to wearing the red at home. So uh, there's your there's your win. So the, the percentages was 32 percent white on white, which is your playoff run look over the past like 15 years. Every time they get hot late in the season, it seems to be like they're wearing those white on whites. The white jersey, red pants, classic Super Bowl look. Uh, that was your uh, number two at 30%. Uh, and then tied at 19%, you had the red jersey, white pants, uh, and uh, burgundy jersey, burgundy pants, monochrome. So, Ellie, I put it to you. Which is your favorite combo and why? So, I want to say that I'm not the biggest uniform person oh, in the world. Gasp. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Because... I think I just kind of seen them wear so many of them and I never got attached to the uniform itself. But if I had to pick a favorite, something that just looks different to me, it's the white on white. I, I do like that. There's something about it that just kind of stands out to me when they wear that. Um, the one I think I like the least is the all burgundy uniform though. 
And that probably has a lot to do with the fact they embarrass themselves every time they wear it. On, uh, <laughs> they, it seems to be the national TV uniform that comes out every couple of years and they just get humiliated. So I actually really like that look, the burgundy on burgundy, just, you know, in a vacuum. I do really like that look. I think it's a cool look. Um, but they just, you can't ignore the fact they, I don't think they've ever won with that and they've never really even looked good. The closest thing, I think they wore it against Seattle last year and had they had anybody other than Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, they might've won that game because they really outplayed him for the most part, just the quarterback position stunk it up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the white on white. I actually really, that's probably my favorite look. It's a nice clean look. Um, the one that I really hate is the, uh, burgundy Jersey white pants. Look, I just think it's hideous. It looks awful to me. Um, the white pants just it just looks like uh, 70s and not in a good way. Yeah. So that one can that one can get flushed. Let me let me ask this question. And I know this is really like blasphemy. Do you like the color scheme for our football team? I do. I like the because it's not a common one uh, as much as, you know, red, white and blue, which red, white and blue is the best color combination for any uh uh, any sports team anywhere. It's always red, white, and blue. It's got to be, but um, it is also overdone. A lot of teams already have that, but the, the burgundy and gold slash maroon and black slash red and yellow, honestly, uh, I do like the look. I, I think the uniforms are, to me, always seem a little bit dated, which is why I like the monochrome because at least kind of refreshes the look a little bit. But honestly, I think the team could have used a uniform refresh many years ago and they never really did it, but the color scheme doesn't bother me at all. See, my only issue with the uh, color scheme is that it's hard to wear every day. You know what I mean? With like everyday clothing. And if you're a person that really cares about matching a lot, they're just kind of like, I love the colors for the football team. Make no mistake about it on the field. I love it. But in terms of like just buying like apparel for myself, it's hard because it's like, what do you match this with? Like burgundy is not a color that like <laughs> goes with a lot of different stuff. You know, the white jerseys are cool. If they decided that with this name change, they were going to bring out a whole new color scheme, how would you feel about that? That would be a tough pill to swallow. I mean, I think I get used to it, uh, especially if it was red, white, and blue, like the Capitals uh, and, you know, the, the, the Wizards and uh, to some extent, the Nationals. Um, I, the, the red, white, and blue color scheme, you could do a lot with it. And like I said, that's my personal favorite color scheme for any sports team. So if they were to change it or um, – a little tougher to swallow would be just like the DC flag, red and white, which, which actually kind of, you know, we're going to get off topic here a little bit with the, the name discussion, but I think that it might be wise in the name discussion to actually go with DC instead of Washington. Um, mm, why you because say that? I just, I don't know, maybe I'm buying a little bit too much into the cancel culture, uh, the cancel culture thing, but I just feel like Washington at some point is going to become problematic um, just based on the way things are going now that, you know, there's going to be some issues and why not just go to, if you're doing a complete refresh right now, why don't you just go straight with, you know, district of Columbia or district uh, only issue there is of course, you, you know, play in Ral John, Maryland or wherever um, and your headquarters is in Virginia, but uh, DC <laughs> is switching to DC. I, I don't think would be the worst thing. If you did switch to DC, I could definitely, you know, say burgundy and gold could go bye-bye because you know, the red and white DC flag, um, which they've kind of, if you've noticed, like some of the gear that they released has that little subtle hint of like the DC flag, like the little kind of the, the two red, uh, two red bars in the white with the white stripe in the middle. They just haven't done the stars yet, but there's kind of little hints like the training camp gear and stuff that they've done that they're, they're looking at that. So that's an interesting option, but I would prefer to keep the burgundy and gold color scheme if at all possible, just in general. 
Yeah, and they they've also released some gear that looks like the New York Giants team colors. I'm like, what the what? Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what, what is that doing. about? Yeah. Um, I I I don't I don't think I could deal with the color change if I had to. And I used to feel differently. Like I really wanted them to do something that was like you know cool and fresh and new. But now it's like we've been this color so long. You know, it's kind of our thing, the burgundy and gold. I don't know if I if I want them to change it anymore because I'm not I'm not a huge buyer of football jerseys anyway right and, and football merchandise so it doesn't really bother me that much um so I, i'm cool with it you know i'll get a hat and they make gray hats you know that i can wear with the stuff on it so i like the jerseys i think i'm glad that the people that took the poll agree with me that white on white is the best combination yeah um it's it's a classic look i like it i i think though like if we're going to play in the playoffs i want them to wear the white jersey and the burgundy pants you know what i mean like in any Sunday, we're going to switch up our uniform white on white. But if we're going to play in a game that matters, give me the burgundy pants and the white jersey. That's, That's what I want. Three Super Bowls worth of uh, legacy right there. So I agree with you on that. Exactly. So when they're in the Super Bowl, definitely white on white, uh, white, white top burgundy pants all the way. Before we move on, what do you think about those like 75 anniversary jerseys with the the deep burgundy and then the gold pants or you know what i mean did you is like that the those? one with the spear yeah yeah is that yeah. the spear that was an all right look i i don't like that look as much i don't like the gold pants honestly I, like it was kind of cool for a little bit to see that when they went to the gold pants but it got old really quickly i don't like those i don't like that look i think that the a burgundy on burgundy with that 75th anniversary would have been really really tight like I thought that would have looked great. Mm. Um, I'm not a big gold pants guy, and right, and now definitely because the def the gold pants just remind me of Bruce Allen. They've got that stink on them, so I never <laughs> want to see those again. Um, but yeah, the 70 they were okay. The helmet was cool, the kind of the Florida State thing, um, you know, the old one. Uh, I did hate those. I think it was the 80th anniversary, the Ronald McDonald looking ones with the you know the Green Bay Packers ripoff uh, <laughs> uniforms that you know Vince Lombardi brought. They wore them one year. They're hideous. Yeah. They're so ugly. Did you like the faux leather helmet <laughs> design that they had? It was interesting. Uh, I've seen worse, I guess, but I don't know. It didn't really, didn't really, I didn't, I don't think it hit the mark. I don't think it did what they intended it to do because yeah. it was very clearly not a leather helmet. Last uniform question. Are you pro numbers on the helmet or anti numbers on the helmet? I like the number on the helmet. I just wish they matched the numbers on the jersey. Like, yes. why don't they have piping around them? I, I don't like the solid yellow number. Yeah, uh, or gold uh, for you uniform nerds out there. But the yeah, I wish they had. It was like white with gold piping would be great if they did that. But I don't like the, just the solid gold number on the burgundy helmet because it doesn't match the rest of the uniform. Right, I'm with you there, man. All right, poll number two this week got 534 votes, and the question that we asked was, which Washington football team slash Redskins quarterback could have been a DC legend with our team? but they didn't get the full opportunity to show what they can do. And I gave you three options this week, Trent Green, Kirk Cousins, and Brad Johnson. Eric, where did you vote on this poll? Um, I first of all want to thank you for not including a certain number 10, because I just get <laughs> sick of talking about him. Um, <clears throat> but I thought that Trent Green, Trent Green was my answer. 
because Trent Green, he got a very limited run. He was, a you know, the, the third string guy for years, for like, I think three years uh, under Tur- under North Turner. And he got a nice extended uh, tryout there in 98. And I think they actually wanted to, he didn't win a lot, but he got, uh, he played very well. The rest of the team was just trash that year. Yeah. Um, this was the year they started like 0-7 and, and they benched everybody and ended up going with Trent Green. Uh, ended up finishing like 6-10. and 10. Um, and I, I thought that he showed quite a bit that year. And I think the intention was to sign him, was to re-sign him. But because of the whole, that was the year the ownership changed and there was a lot going on. And he just kind of fell through the cracks and left via free agency. But I think Trent Green with that offense in 99, led by Stephen Davis and Michael Westbrook finally figured out, you know, you know, he was legit that year. Albert Connell was very good. Uh, Stephen Alexander, great tight end player. The offensive line held together very well. Um, I think Trent Green and that offense could have just been even better than that offense was because I think, you know, I like Brad Johnson quite a bit uh, for what he did here, but I think Trent Green was a more talented quarterback than Brad Johnson was he definitely had a better arm I think he, you know, he was maybe not the maybe not the touch at that level point in his career that Johnson had but Johnson kind of had he had a little bit of a noodle arm he, he threw a lot of like softballs out there. Yeah. Um, and Johnson was very good the one year that he was here and I think that then they brought in Jeff George and everybody got in their feelings that it was a disaster. Um, but I think long-term and I think, I think it, it plays out like for the remainder of their careers. I think, you know, Trent green was a better quarterback than yes. Brad Johnson for the remainder of their career. Although Johnson did get that super bowl, uh, mainly the, the, you know, he, he, he Trent Dilford his way to a super bowl there in Tampa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Trent green had, he stuck around could have been a very good quarterback for Washington. He probably could have saved North Turner's job. Well, I don't know. Cause with Dan Snyder came in and just changed everything. Maybe he wouldn't have, but um, I think Trent Green would be the right answer there. Yeah, that's that's exactly what the people went with. 40% Trent Green, 32% Brad Johnson, 28% Kirk Cousins. You hit all the right points with Brett, with Trent Green. He, his career excelled even after he left until he got hurt. I mean, he was a really good quarterback, a great processor of information, a great deliverer of the football. Um, I mean, gosh, he is the – I think – I don't want to say this but he was kind of like Tom Brady before like Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Like he was a distributor. I like, and that's, that's a lot. I know he's probably mm-hmm. close to Drew Bledsoe more than anything else, but he was a quarterback's quarterback, man, that dude had it. And if he could have just stayed healthy and stayed with us, yep. I think we'd have had a lot of different things happen here. Brad Johnson was very much Peyton Manning in Denver. You know what I mean? Yep. That type of quarterback where it was like, yes, he knows what to do. Yes, he knows where to go with the football, but it's going to take a long time getting there. He's got to be perfect with his timing because he's got to anticipate where you're going to be because he just, you know, he threw those little like arch, arc, bass, arc balls that kind of, you know, just went up and came down. They, he didn't throw many yes. darts. And, yes. you know, Trent Green also, his injury, I think right after he went to the Rams and was slated to be their starter and he blew out his knee like in preseason. And that's how Kurt Warner came kind of blew up. Yep. Um, so he, yeah, he got some rough breaks early in his career, but he still managed to salvage it. Um, and he ran that uh, Al Saunders, uh, you know, Coriel scheme to perfection. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And last place was Kirk Cousins. And I'm kind of glad to see him in last place because it represents closure as a fan base to me, right? I'm just a little salty that like 30% still voted for him. <laughs> yeah, still a lot of votes. No, dude, you got to let that dude go, man. He's, yeah, man. He had he, in Minnesota right now. He's doing the same thing he did here. Yes, exactly. He's an with, eight and eight quarterback, man. He just is with better talent. And that's crazy, right? Because he had, it wasn't like he was here for a year and a half either. Like let's stop pretending he was here for four or five years. Right. Um, here, yeah. 2012 and, and, to 2017. Yeah. 
he had his chances, guys, and he didn't lead us anywhere. Like, we got the division, but so did Robert, okay? Like, let's move on. Kirk was his all right dude, uh, but he definitely is not the right answer for here. This is definitely Trent Green territory here. Speaking of quarterbacks, we got three guys at the position, right? Fitzpatrick, we got Heineke, and we got Allen. I think what's happening now is people are getting OTA fever <laughs> with the quarterbacks. And so I want to talk about this tonight. Fitzpatrick, to me, is the clear-cut number one going into the season. Eric, do you disagree with that whatsoever? Going into training camp, yes. I don't know about going into the season. We'll see. Uh, what, t- talk to me why you think that's a competition. No, yeah, and I think it's a. I think he probably will be the number one quarterback going in because I think an extended, an extended uh, tryout at training camp, where you get where the coaches get to see everybody. Um, I think Fitzpatrick wins that uh, just based on the fact that he's a veteran, and he's seen the guys really seem to respond to him. Um, Taylor Heineke played very well in OTAs uh, by all accounts. And he will probably he may have earned himself some more practice reps going into training camp. And there could legitimately be I don't think Ron Rivera is one that really lies to the media. He may not tell the whole truth, but he I don't, he's not like a Shanahan who just straight lies to the media. Um, so I think when he says there's going to be a quarterback competition, I think he's sincere when he says that. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, Taylor Heineke get a few more reps maybe than he would have uh, with the first team and really get a chance to win that job. Um, but he's going to have to play his way into it. And I think Fitzpatrick wins. Um, I think Fitzpatrick wins that just based on the fact that he is the veteran quarterback that they brought in. So there's some leverage there with him, but yeah, I don't think, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not stone cold set on him being the day one starter, even though I'm like 95% leaning in that direction. So here's, here's something I'm going to quote Rich Chandler because I, I find myself going back to this time and time again, don't listen to what they say watch what they do. That was Rich Taylor's famous quote, and I believe it 100%. Heideke was here this offseason. What did they do? They went after Gaw. They went after Stafford. They thought about trading up in the draft. I really believe if Trey Lance would have fell past the 49ers, they were going to go up and get him. They brought in Fitzpatrick. That's not a vote of confidence to me. You know what I mean? Like, they had the opportunity to make uh, Heideke the lead dog throughout this entire offseason coming right off of that playoff game with Tampa. And what did they immediately do? Start looking for another quarterback. I think, I think Ron Rivera knows what's up with Taylor Heineke. And I think Ron Rivera thinks Taylor Heineke is a backup quarterback. I know that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. It's not me saying it. This is what I believe Ron Rivera believes because yeah, that's what that. he's shown. So I would just say that you are mostly correct there. I don't think that any coach in his right mind would hand Taylor Heineke the starting, like you're the day one starter, clear cut going into the off season after one game in the playoffs and a quarter uh, against Carolina. Like, I don't think anybody would do that. I think quarterback was going to be a priority. Um, And I think if, you know, they had landed Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff, um, those guys would be the clear cut day one starter. But Fitzpatrick just to me seems like the fourth choice of like who they really wanted. Yeah. So they, you know, Taylor Heineke with that playoff appearance didn't guarantee himself anything, but he did earn the right to come in and compete. And if they had brought in a higher caliber of quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think 
you know, Heineke would be competing solely for that backup job. But the fact that they went out and they weren't able to land that top guy, they weren't able to get the draft pick. They weren't able to do all that. And they had to settle. To me, it feels like they settled for Fitzpatrick. I think that that leaves the door a little, a little crack in the door for Taylor Heineke. I can go with you on the fact that because of the lack of top end quality quarterback, maybe there's a chance that Heineke does something. I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I feel like when, when coaches don't give you that vote of confidence after the season, it means something. They had him in the building last year. In all of the awfulness that was Dwayne Haskins last year, they saw Heineke every day, every day since they brought him in, and they still didn't see enough. That To me, that means something. And, and same thing with Kyle Allen. Let's talk about him too, because people like to slide him into this conversation like, oh, they like Kyle Allen. Yeah, but every time Kyle Allen's been here, somebody else has gotten the job. Yeah. We, yeah Allen is definitely, to me, he's the third guy. He's the third wheel. Uh, he could, I, I think I've said repeatedly, I think we both said repeatedly, I think we're going to end up seeing more than one quarterback for the team again next year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Fitzpatrick just, he doesn't, I think if Taylor Heineke wins the starting job, it's not because Taylor Heineke won it, but because Ryan Fitzpatrick lost it. If he just tanks in training camp and can't get it done. So I think Heineke being the starter next year probably says more about the rest of the quarterbacks maybe than it does against Heineke. Yeah. And, and I, I hope Heineke be, turns into an all world quarterback for us, honestly, or one of these guys turns into a pro bowl level quarterback for us. That'd be fantastic. Whether, you know, be it Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'd love to see, one of those guys lead us to the playoffs and Super Bowl and be lights out. Um, but I just, I don't, I've never been sold on Ryan Fitzpatrick as much as everybody loves, you know, the teammates love him. They respond to him. He just, he's got a Rex Grossman vibe. You just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. Well, you do know what you're going to get out of him. You're going to get a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, yeah. And that comes with moxie as they say, or uh, you know, whatever it is, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to have to take the bad with the good. And I think you're going to see that. I mean, that's kind of what Heineke, when he came in last year and played, especially after the first, you know, when he came in the fourth quarter uh, against Carolina and just kind of threw it all over the place. He threw some really terrible passes that just didn't happen to get intercepted. Yeah. But that was also his first action in, you know, two years or whatever. So it was, you know, he's, you know, he was in class. Um, I do like the fact that he, you know, he did take this offseason seriously, it looks like, because he came in and he's looking like he's about 210, 215. He put on a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. He's a lot bigger than he was. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think he's going to do everything he can to win the job. I just think, you know, Fitzpatrick is probably going to win it because he's a little better, but I'm not going to completely write Heineke off here because so many people have, and he's still here. I, I'm not writing him off though, just for the you know clarity, but I don't see a path for Fitzpatrick to lose the job in training camp because he knows the offense. He understands offenses. Typically when guys lose jobs in the, in training camp, it's because they're not learning the offense or they're just constantly turning the ball over. Fitzpatrick is savvy enough, especially when he knows what the defense is going to do because he's facing the same players every day to not have that happen. That, that's, a, that's a young quarterback thing to do, to keep turning the ball over to the, your defense every single day. I think, I just feel like there's not going to be the opportunity for, for Heineke and, and Rivera's actions have told me enough to know I don't think he sees Heineke as a long-term option. I don't think he sees anybody on this roster as a long-term option. He shouldn't, to be I don't think. What I think Rivera is looking for, I think Rivera is looking for, a, or, or what he wants, 
okay? And I think he's probably open to multiple things. What I think he wants is a veteran quarterback who is maybe not elite, but is very good. That's what I think his ideal scenario is. Somebody on the level of a, you said it here before, a Matt Ryan comes available, right? That, <laughs> that type of guy, maybe a Derek Carr. Like, I think he wants somebody in that realm. But I think what you have is, is you have Rivera being the head coach and him trying to trust Scott Turner too, right? Like Scott Turner wants a particular type of quarterback for his offense. And I think this is just my personal opinion. I'm not saying this is any like backstage knowledge because we don't know, but we, you saw the reports from when he was in Carolina, Scott Turner loved Kyle Allen, right? That was Kyle. That was Scott Turner's guy. Rivera was a Cam Newton guy. So they come here, they trade for Kyle Allen. When Kyle Allen took the field, Ian Rappaport and I think JP Finley were reporting that, and maybe it was Albert Breer too, that Rivera wanted Alex Smith to play. So, but Alex Smith wasn't quite ready yet. And what happened? Alex Smith played. Now granted, Kyle Allen got injured, but Alex Smith was the guy that Rivera wanted. Scott Turner wanted Kyle Allen. You see what I mean? So. I think that Heineke is probably more of a Scott Turner guy than he is a Rivera guy, following that same methodology. Mm -hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a little bit more in the mold of maybe what Rivera likes, but I don't think Rivera likes quarterbacks that turn the ball over. He's a defensive guy. He wants to win with his defense. We have Jack Del Rio for a reason. You know what I'm saying? We have invested so heavily in the defense right with draft picks and also with our defensive coordinator the quality of staff on the defense far outweighs the quality of staff on the offense you know what i mean because rivera wants to win with defense and so if we have a quarterback that's going to continuously throw the ball over what, what's going to what's going to be the conclusion that you can't win with this guy now i don't know if Fitzpatrick's going to do that or not i'm not projecting any of that we know what his history is though we can't lose sight of that but with 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 haskins last year he was constantly turning the ball over Enough was enough at that point. Rivera was very patient with Cam Newton because Cam Newton, even though he turned the ball over sometimes, his turnovers weren't crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was still producing, running the ball and, and throwing the ball down the field, um, which you were getting neither of which with Haskins. So he had to go at that point per Rivera. I just, I feel like we're kind of overlooking what might really be at play. And that's what Rivera wants, which I believe is just a veteran quarterback that can push the ball down the field, but also is going to respect that defense to know I don't need to be Superman here. Yeah, but has that historically been Fitzpatrick? No. Over the last year or two, it's it's really not. I mean, if you're, you know, Heineke did not turn the ball over last year. I mean, he did, you know, he had an interception, I think, against Tampa, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a turnover machine. Um, Fitzpatrick historically has, been a very turn he's been and especially and they come in clusters he doesn't throw you know me may not throw a pick he'll throw four picks um but i agree with you that most head coaches and it's like the joe gibbs philosophy the drug nuts is he wanted he doesn't like young quarterbacks going back his entire career he never liked young quarterbacks he wanted an experienced vet even if he you know if the vet had lost its fastball like he you know he, he going back to Jay Schrader. I mean, Jay Schrader was had everything you wanted in a quarterback, except his teammates hated him. But I mean, he was everything you wanted as a quarterback. He had, he could make every throw. 
Um, but he went and got Doug Williams. And when games, when it got real, he went to Doug Williams. Um, he did nice. the same thing when he came in, he came back. He had Patrick Ramsey. He was a young fastball thrower. Uh, he goes out and gets a washed up Mark Brunel. Yep. Um, he drafts Jason Campbell, gives Jason Campbell the keys. The first time Campbell got injured and they made that playoff run, he went to Todd Collins. Todd Collins, you know, Campbell was healthy and mm-hmm. he kept him on the bench and kept Todd Collins in the game. He was that, he just, he liked the old vet quarterback, which, um, I'm not sure if, you know, if Rivera is that, like Extreme, Rivera hopefully yeah. wants to win a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I hope he's a little bit more flexible uh, with it than that, that he's willing to develop a young quarterback, even though, you know, Allen has been with him for a couple of years under Turner. I, I guess you could say he's developed. Um, we'll just have to see. I don't know, because Fitzpatrick to me, I, I'm not, he doesn't blow my mind and maybe he will, maybe he'll be really good for this offense and he'll have a pro bowl type year but he's 38 and he's never done it. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm agreeing with you there. I'm not saying that Fitzpatrick is their ideal quarterback. He's just more of a realistic option, I think, in terms of, like, being a starter for now than I think what they believe in the other guys. You know what I'm saying? He's the best of the of what we have for what they want to get out of that. Now, is that going to be true? I don't know. I really don't. But see, the thing with Trey Lance is Trey Lance's comp was Cam Newton, mm-hmm. right? Like Rivera and Cam Newton had a great relationship throughout their time, and they they won a lot of games or won more games than they would have won if he didn't have them. So I think Rivera was willing to take a chance on that guy, but he he passed on all the rest of the guys. Like there were other people available. Um, I just – I feel like after this season, we're going to go back into the veteran pool. That's just and, and get somebody maybe with a little bit yeah, more. Matt Ryan's coming here. I'm telling you, that's it. You might be right. I don't know. And I'm also not close to the idea that they're not done yet. Like if somebody gets cut from a, a you know of a higher quality quarterback, then I think they might go after them. Now, does that generally happen going into training camp? No, not really. Not likely, right? It but, be a, via a big surprise cut. Yeah, like if Marcus yeah. Mariota gets cut or something, or the other way around. Like Mariota balls out in camp, and and the Raiders are like, well. We want to move on from Derek Carr. Okay, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Like, if I think if something like that comes available, I think they're all over it. Or if the Aaron Rodgers situation is is just untenable anymore in Green Bay, I think they're all over that. Deshaun yeah, Watson. I, I don't see him getting up. traded. It's one of those things where they're going to send him to the AFC if they send him anywhere. Sure. I just don't want to deal with him. Sure. Deshaun Watson's situation clears up. I think they're yeah. all over that. Oh, I would be, yeah. If that all clears up and – He's not nearly as weird as he seems to be. Then absolutely come to DC. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I and and I don't want to like pour water on anybody's like candle, birthday candles or anything like that. Like you should have fun with this. But what they're telling us from their moves and their actions is they're not done addressing this position. And I don't know how much confidence they have in what this is going. I mean, as a coach, you have to believe in your roster. You have to. But we have to chill. On the Heineke is the next. What I I saw something out there that was like the next Drew Brees or something like that. Like yeah. he's it's been on like up. twelve teams and was a backup in the XFL. Let's keep perspective, you know. Yeah, uh, I think if he if he blows up, the comp there would be Kurt Warner. It's the only thing even close. Somebody who's just completely nowhere out of the NFL, bouncing around teams, and then comes out of nowhere and has an, an amazing season. I think Kurt Warner is that guy that the only one who could be a comp who's like a, you know, 29, 30 year old, basically rookie who comes out of nowhere and and blows up. So that would be your comp. And I, you know, Kurt Warner and Taylor Heineke are not the same quarterback. Uh, I can tell. Yeah, we'll see. 
I can tell you got some Heineke hope in you. I, I do, I, man. I, I, would, I mean, there's nothing I would rather have. I mean, I don't, as a fan, um, why would you not want Heineke to just take the reins and just be the best, you know, to be the solution for the next, you know, seven or eight years to just have a late career, you know, just be a late bloomer, finally get a chance. I think it would be an amazing thing. I, am I it's banking a great on it? Story. Yeah. Am I banking on it? Absolutely not. But yeah. I think I'm absolutely going to cheer for him. I'm going to root for the guy because he has earned the right to be rooted for the way he played when he came in. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, so I hope he, I hope he is the guy. I really do. I hope he can turn into be that guy. I just, you know, I don't, I don't see it happening and I'm, I'm not going to put money on it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure, you know, 95% Fitzpatrick goes into the season, uh, probably gets benched around like week six, seven, and, you know, Heineke comes in and then they play, you know, musical chairs for the rest of the year, probably. Um, <laughs> it's just what I see happening, but we'll see. I'm I'm a fundamental realist and maybe to a fault, but I look at this the the history with Heineke and I don't assume he's gonna change that just because he played well in the game against Tampa. It was an important game and I'm never gonna take that away from him. But it was kind of like the people with Kirk Cousins who were always hoping he was gonna flip that switch and become a primetime player, right? Like become a big time quarterback out of people nowhere. I thought he was that guy. Yeah, but was he? Why you don't look at stats? Exactly. That's he, why. There's it, a difference between statistically good and good. See, that's what I mean. But yeah. typically in the NFL, you kind of are who you are. And and tell me, like even Drew Brees. Drew Brees was a great quarterback. Remember, like his rookie year, like or his first couple of years in the league, he had really good seasons. It wasn't like he was just terrible and got yeah, he cut. Was, yeah, I don't know. He he he's. I got, I'd have to go back and look. I want to say that he struggled. I want to say that Breeze struggled early on and then they drafted the year they drafted Rivers to replace him. That's the year that Breeze blew up. So I want to say he, he was okay. I don't think he was really good those first couple of years. And I could be wrong on that because it's that was 2002. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, he struggled a little bit, but he was, he was still a starting quarterback for, you know, the better part of three seasons. I think I'm going to tell you. As a rookie, basically, because I think he missed essentially his whole rookie season with an injury. He he started uh, 16 games his second year, which is his first real action. 3,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, 16 picks. If that's a rookie, that's not that bad, right? Yeah. Um, his third season, which would have been effectively his second season, he started 11 games. He 11 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, not great, but I think he got hurt at some point. Then... He started to really build after that. 27 touchdowns, seven picks. 24 touchdowns, 15 picks. 26. This yeah. is all he's in San Diego. So the stories are not equivocal, like, at all. Like, they're not equivalent because Breeze had pedigree. Number one, coming out of college, and then early in the NFL, he showed promise that he was going to be something. Like, you're right with the Kurt Warner thing. Like, this, that's the only real comparison you can have, and that's once out of the entirety of the NFL almost. Yeah, pretty much. You know, so that that's where I don't get so hype about the Heineken thing is because statistically it's nearly impossible that he's going to work out. But there's an old saying, there's an old saying with quarterbacks, um, and maybe I made it up, but a it's that a six-foot quarterback has to prove that he can play and a six-four quarterback has to prove that he can't. That's so when you, when you look at Heineken, a lot of it could just boil down to he's just really small and he maybe never got the looks that he was. Now he's been with this coaching staff a few times, so that may not hold completely true, yes. but you know, like Scott Turner thought enough of him to call him last year and be like, Hey man, you still around? 
like during like, COVID so, when yeah. they had an extra practice player on the practice squad. He came like, out and yeah, but he thought enough of him. He could have, you know, they could have reached out to Josh Dante Johnson. Culpepper or somebody, you know, <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, but see that, that comes back to system favoritism and yeah, Kevin it's a system guy, but it's the same system we're running in. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to root for Heineke and say he's the next Peyton Montana. And, and you, you just stick it. <laughs> everybody listen, please understand. I want you to do that. I want you to feel good about it. I don't, I'm not discouraging anybody from rooting for Heineke. I'm not discouraging anybody from rooting for Fitzpatrick. We should be so excited. I'm, I'm excited about this football team to see what they can do. I hope they do it with defense and I hope they do it with running the ball because those things I feel we have a high degree of confidence in. The quarterback situation is up in the air. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Kyle Allen really seems like an afterthought. I know there's some folks saying, oh, I think Kyle Allen might actually be the guy. I just don't see that whatsoever. I don't see I, Yeah, he's just – that goes back to the he is what he is thing. Um, he hasn't proven that he can hold on to a job. And, I mean, of course, last year he got injured, so that was a really nasty injury that he got. But that's just another thing working against him. Um, and another uh, thing about that is, are you really keeping all three of those guys this year? Or is, or is somebody like an Allen or Heineke, whoever loses out that maybe second-year quarterback, is one of those guys trade bait, especially on the contracts that they're on? But you got to have a taker, man. Who, who's, <laughs> where are they going to go? You but are you going to hold? Are you going to hold a roster spot for a guy? I mean, because both of those guys, uh, Allen especially, is a you know he's a quarterback with legitimate starting experience in the NFL. He's got like twenty some starts in the NFL now at this point. And what's his record? Not that many. Uh, it doesn't matter what his record is. I mean, how many third string quarterbacks have you know 15, yeah, 20 NFL that's starts? Fair. Like. That's so, fair. you know, he, he there is a commodity there. There is an option that maybe somebody could want him as a backup quarterback and is willing to part with a conditional fifth round pick for him. And if Washington's not going to hold on to him, um, why not take it? Uh, and same goes for Heineke. Uh, and there's enough buzz around Heineke. Maybe, you know, they can they'll, they'll get a first, maybe two firsts for him. Um, See, let's talk about that buzz real quick. I know we're going long, but Heineke signed back here for next to nothing. In terms oh, yeah. of guaranteed money, like right away. That does well, you, not, to me, indicate that there was a lot of buzz out there for him coming. I don't up know, there. though. You take that. If you're in his position, I think you take, so, you know, if you see, you know, six zeros and some commas, I think I you don't take buy that it. right away. I don't buy it. If you feel like you really got a hot hand and this is the only time in your career you're going to be able to cash in, I think you, you weigh your options. If you really believe that there's a market for you, any good agent, I think, would tell you that. Like, don't just chase the money right now. See what the market is. Because if, if you're really worth it, there's going to be somebody out there for you. See, that I just feel like that just tells me that that market wasn't developing the way that they thought it would mm -hmm. after that game. Maybe so. We'll see. Kyle Allen's record all time as a quarterback is... Uh, I can't find it. Um, not good. <laughs> it's not good though. Um, I, I put out this stat on Twitter that Heineke has never taken a snap with the lead in a football game in mm -hmm. all the games he's played in. Do you, how much merit do you give to that? Yeah, there could very much be the, what's funny is that's basically, that's a Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of stat though. Um, because not necessarily that, you know, Fitzpatrick obviously has taken a lot of snaps with leads, but Fitzpatrick has a record, has like his history as a quarterback has been, if he comes off the bench or if he comes out of nowhere, 
he just lights it up. But if you give him an extended look, he kind of comes back to earth very quickly. So um, a guy who has never taken a, I mean, again, he's only, uh, how many snaps has Heineke even taken in the NFL? Um, so it's not surprising that it goes back. It's just that there's probably not a lot of film on him. Um, he's probably going to be, you know, defenses are going to probably figure him out. He's most likely going to get hit a lot um, and not, and not work out as a long-term starter, but you don't know because there's, that's, that's the, that's the real allure. I think of Heineke is there's that you've just, all you've really got to go on is that little glimpse of like what he's done when he's been in. And it was really fun to watch. So we kind of latch onto that and we see it and we love it. And we just expect more of that or, you know, and there's always that, um, that, you know, the backup quarterback is the most popular player in town <laughs> yeah. thing. And it's always been that way here. It's like, yeah. you've got a guy sitting on the bench and the first time, and you're going to hear it. You know, you're going to hear it. The first time Fitzpatrick struggles, uh, if he goes in as a starter, everybody's going to be, well, it's going to sound like the cicadas uh, with people <laughs> clamoring for, uh, for Fitzpatrick or for yeah. Heineke. It's just going to be that way. Just like the way people were, you know, cover, you know, clamoring for Kirk, uh, Kirk, when, uh, you know, when Robert struggled and for Robert, when Kirk struggled, yeah. um, there's always, they've got their little hive of fans and, you know, it's going to be very loud. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know what to make of a stat. You know, it's just, he's got such a small sample size in his career. I would just like to see more of him. Um, and I think, I hope he gets a lot of, a lot of playing time in the preseason and not in like the fourth quarter. I really would like to see him play, um, you know, late second, you know, early, you know, early third quarter when starters are kind of in there still. Right. Uh, I would like to see what he could do against like legit competition. I don't want to see him throwing six touchdowns against backups. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I had, I'm not, I, I've got a glimmer of hope for him. I'm going to hold on to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a Heineke stand because I'm certainly not. I'm very realistic about he's probably not going to work out as a quarterback, but there's always that little bit of hope. And I'm just not a Fitzpatrick guy. I think I've made that pretty clear. Yeah. And I, and I, I, like I said, I'm so glad you have the hope. I'm glad everybody else does too. I'm not poo pooing on Heineke. I'm not even really a quarterback guy anymore. Like I've learned to not just be, just don't be a fan of the quarterback of the team because it's probably going to change, right? Like I just want to see the run game work and I want to see the defense play ball. That's all I care about. Just the I, competent play from the quarterback. Just yes. get, it to, get it to the guys who need to get it to make I, things happen. I don't care what name's on the back of the jersey. Just take the name off the jersey for all I care, right? Heineke has 77 attempts in the NFL. Yep. And he has started one game. And that's insane to me. Wow. He only has one start. You know how many touchdowns he's thrown in the NFL? Two. Two? Yeah. Two. Not many. Three picks. That's a lot of projecting <laughs> to say yeah, he's going to be a starter. How Holy many did uh, How many did Kurt Warner have? We like to we like to go with the outlier. Kurt uh, Warner did it. Why can't he? Let me let me look at Kurt Warner's stats. But I don't think yeah, Kurt Warner had never. I don't think he had any any career stats <laughs> before '99. Honestly, not in the NFL, I, but he did yeah, have I mean, the he, CFL right or the NFL Europe or something. Well, he was what arena? I think he was an arena quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yes uh let's see which again is different from heineke because heineke doesn't even have that so if yeah. he makes it it is a really really good story <laughs> but kurt warner was like six three heineke's five ten so yeah gotta prove that you can play yeah yeah i'll go with you on that so yeah st louis was like his first nfl action wow yeah wow. like i said i think he he might have like been on bottom of a couple of rosters maybe early in his career but he was pretty much not he was nowhere to be found 
you know what's underrated about Kurt Warner? He had some really trash seasons while he was in the NFL too. He has the weirdest career. He really does. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, he's like he he came out of nowhere. He blew up for like three seasons, then he completely disappeared, and then he came back in Arizona like five seasons later and just you know had yeah. three great seasons. And I think yeah. he's got like three of the four top, either two of the three or three of the four top passing performances in Super Bowls. Yep. And, but, and yeah, he was weird. when he was with the Giants, like, you know, when when uh, Mike Martz took over for the Rams, he kind of fell off and mm-hmm. fell out of favor. Then he went to the Giants and just stunk it up. He really wasn't a good fit for that offense. Um, tried and to he play. Went, yeah. And then he went to Arizona with Kevin Wisenhunt and just kind of took off and just turned into a Pro Bowl quarterback again. It was crazy. Wasn't he He's with a, the Niners or something? Maybe I'm making that up. I thought he played for the 49ers. Maybe, maybe he didn't. I thought it was, I think it was just the Rams, Giants. Yeah, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, his career is super crazy weird. He did enough in those like six seasons, seven seasons of being great to offset the six seasons. He was just not good at all. He was nowhere to be found. And then the you know six seasons that he didn't even make it in the NFL. Oh, uh, Kyle Allen is seven and 10 career as a starter. Yeah, which is not good. <laughs> Seven and ten, but you know, you guys have uh, you and your you and your ilk have ravaged me for uh, for how how long about record wins and losses isn't a quarterback <laughs> stat. So you can just <laughs> shut up, all right? Because you're talking to the guy who you just you know made fun of basically for saying that. Because I was uh, I was a big Alex Smith guy for that reason. And I wasn't. Me for that. I wasn't anti Alex Smith. You're talking about the other guys from the 56, not this guy from the 56. Yeah, those guys, man. They were, they were very mean. They were bullies. I got bullied on a podcast. <laughs> I didn't I didn't hate Alex Smith. I didn't I definitely didn't like Kyle Allen because I think I saw what was coming there. Like it's basically been what he is his whole career. Um I just, you know, I was a little I was frustrated. I, I'll just say that all last year I was frustrated how they handled the other quarterback situation, which we're not going to get into again. Um and Lord help us if that guy does well in Pittsburgh, <laughs> which, you know, you never know, but Man, yeah, whatever he, yeah. it, he wasn't going to happen here. So, he needed, you know, if it, if you know, I don't, and I wish the best for Haskins, honestly, if he uh, turns out, turns himself around good on him, but it wasn't going to happen here. You it know, was it was not. a bad situation here. Yep. He should not have come here. And I was happy that they brought him in. I thought he was going to be a good quarterback, but it was just, you know, in his hometown, or, I don't know. He's got a lot of friends here. And it just, there was a lot of distractions and he probably just needed a good kick in the pants to straighten himself out. So if it turns around, it's because he got cut here. That's the reason it was never going to happen if the team had held on to him. Agreed. And if he can't, if he can't turn around for Mike Tomlin, he might as well just retire from the NFL because it ain't happening anywhere. Uh, Maybe unless Andy Reid gives him a chance. So I, I feel like it's important that we close out with a recap of what we're saying. So people don't misconstrue this. Oh, they're going to misconstrue. <laughs> you tell you do your own recap. My recap is this: I am excited to see what these quarterbacks do, but I am a facts and history and statistics person. I'm a that's how I think. That's how I make decisions in life. And the history and the statistics and the facts say I should be a little bit cautious about my excitement and optimism about the quarterbacks on the roster. That's all I'm saying. I would agree with that. I think I'm kind of saying the same thing. Uh, especially about Fitzpatrick because I, Fitzpatrick is 38 years old, never been to the playoffs. Um, he has a long history of getting benched for poor play. Um, his play has improved the last couple of years. Uh, he's a very boomer bust quarterback and has been his whole career. So I'm going to roll with that is how he's going to be. Um, 
same with Allen. I mean, he's got an, he's got enough of a track record to know that he's going to be a very average, mediocre, lower end starter. Uh, Heineke, you know, I'm excited. I have a little bit of excitement about Heineke, but it's rooted in hope. It's more because we just don't know. We haven't seen enough of him, even though the odds are very long that he's going to succeed and be a great NFL quarterback or even a good NFL quarterback or even an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, there's that, you know, we got the glimmer of hope in the playoff game and a very small sample size. So there's some hope there, but again, I don't, um, I hope he works out. I don't think he will to put it that way. And it kind of goes that way for all three quarterbacks. I hope they work out. I don't think they will. And one thing as fans, we should be careful of when we evaluate our quarterbacks with this football team, we tend to evaluate them against the play of the other quarterbacks on this football team. But how many games in recent years has our quarterback been the best quarterback on the field, right? Comparing to the other guy on the other side last year, how many times was that the case? So when we say there's reason for cautious optimism, that's what we're talking about. Not compared to the guys we've had here in the past because they haven't been good, but compare them to the guys on the other side of the football field. Are we better than them? Most of the time that answer has been no. So just making educated decisions to have educated conversations. Eric. Oh my gosh. Hey, you got your hundred followers, by the way. <laughs> I did get a hundred. I, I did get Eric 100. cracked a hundred <laughs> followers. Shout out to every single one of you that followed him. His Twitter handle was blowing up. He's a very cool <laughs> follower. Up. If you are following him now, go do that. Eric has promised to sing us something. Do you have the lyrics, man? At each ride. I don't even know. Not really. I know the song vaguely. So it's Ghetto Superstar by Praz and ODB and somebody else. Yes. Um, Maya. And Maya. And Praz was one of the Fugees, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, who I did dig. He was like the... Uh, he was like the uh, Kyle Allen of the Fuji's the one nobody talks about. Uh, <laughs> and the ghetto superstar song that, that somehow I got roped into was uh, I hope the Bee Gees got some writing credit on that because they yeah. just stole the hook from Kenny and Dolly, which was written by the Bee Gees. So uh, we're not going to forget that uh, you cracked a, or sorry, we cracked a thousand on the football team uh, declassified podcast as well. And you yes. uh, may have uh, been roped into singing a little something too. Uh, but in the meantime, I will saying, uh, what did ODB his, I, I was promised a couple of bars. So we'll just go ghetto superstar. That is what you are. That's the only thing I even know. <laughs> Sail away with me to another world. We rely on each other. Aha. <laughs> Which is, I don't think that's part of the song. Uh what, so, what what was it what was the yeah song? so the song that i gave you was it was i was like at the time it was like the whitest song i could think of <laughs> and it was big in japan by alphaville big in japan big in japan yeah uh i you know i could have given you some yacht rock or something but i thought yeah. uh, what's the uh i was just trying to think of the, the the lamest like song that you would have no idea what it was it's probably older than you are um and that's what i, I came up with yeah you know what's funny like i listened to this on youtube and i was like what the heck is this? <laughs> What? I actually kind of like the song. Actually, going back really? and listening to it, I do kind of. It's got like a, a very nostalgic sound to it, but no, it's it not does. a good song in any. By the any lyrics are weird. Do. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this as spoken words, so I don't have to sing. I'll do the hook. When you're big in Japan tonight, big in Japan, be tight. Really, big in Japan where the eastern sea so blue. Big in Japan, all right. Yeah. Hey. Then I'll sleep by your side. What is this about, Eric? It's hey. uh, we're big in Japan. It's uh, <laughs> isn't that like when you when you have a you like some rock band that nobody else ever heard of? It's like oh, they're really big in Japan or like Belgium or uh, 
No, Japan is the one where like the washed up rock bands go. Cause like, yeah. if you, I don't know if you've ever seen like, this is Spinal Tap, but like, you know, why they get washed up and nobody follows them here. And then they realize like everybody in Japan loves them. So they go and sell out arenas. In Japan. <laughs> so maybe that's what it's about. I don't even know what it's about. I just this was trying to come lyric, up with a lame song. It says pay, then I'll sleep by your side. Things are easy when you're big in Japan, when you're big in Japan. I don't think this is about what you think it's about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I think I was like seven years old last time I heard it. So <laughs> I can very well be wrong about that too. That is Alphaville, big in Japan, spoken word style. Hey, Eric, this has been Moving a lot it. of fun. Man, um, oh yeah, if you're listening still at this point, <laughs> which I don't blame you if, you, if you're not. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast. If you like Wizards, go check out the Wizards Declassified podcast. Um, what else is going on? Go blow up Eric's Twitter at E-T-R-O-D-4-2. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Uh, next week, same time. Same bad channel. All right, we got it. We out.